welcome to the Pandemic Podcast, hosted by Hannah, Janet, and Pega. We are three bioengineering students at the University of Pittsburgh, almost graduated, um, looking to give a snapshot into all the crazy surrounding COVID-19, what we think about it as engineers and millennials, and what we think this means for us as a whole for the future. So this is the second episode of our three-part series. Last time we talked about the science behind the disease and how different areas are reacting. This episode, we will take a glimpse into how different generations are responding emotionally, economically, and culturally. And most importantly, we are going to discuss how we think this will greatly impact the way we act in the future um, after this pandemic finally ends. A generation They grow up in a brand new Amsterdam Got to eat healthy Go to the gym And most important Post it on Instagram But I don't care No, no, I gotta go So the one thing that has Definitely shaped this quarantine I would say is the social media movement And how Gen Z and Millennials Are handling this Honestly Um and so there's like a lot of memes going around like Twitter and Facebook, but it kind of brings up a question like, is it okay to make jokes? Is it too soon? Um, but I think that these people need these jokes, especially now in such difficult times. Um, I mean, it de- there is a limit and it does get personal for some people, but for other people, I think they just need to laugh at the situation just so that um, they can handle it. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree, because I think it's um, it's more focused on, like, Gen Z and kind of, like, the bottom end of millennials that are making all these TikToks and stuff, and it, they're fun to do and kind of, like, a distraction. Um, but for, like, Gen Z especially, who, you know, they're not worried about unemployment issues or kind of towards the, um, like, economic side of things, of how things are kind of going down the toilet right now, they don't really have those responsibilities yet to be worried about, so they are more adept to kind of tra- like kind of going towards more like the comical side of coping with things um but yeah but yeah, i do still I, see some like older people not older but like you know some older people still doing tiktoks which is fine um but i think it's definitely like more towards the younger generations are using this dude, as a method i love tiktok i'm on tiktok for hours during the day <laughs> and it's just like the algorithm is so good once you start liking some um TikToks, then your whole For You page are just talks of things that you would love. And it's so funny. And they have all these like dances, all these trends. And people also put like all of these skincare or like cooking videos. I think it's like a nice escape. Yeah, I think it is bringing some people together too because they have all the like dance challenges. So then, um, so then like people of all ages kind of I'm like want to get involved with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if I agree with, like, the onslaught of jokes and whatnot. Because, like you said, like, a lot of people are making these jokes are the least affected by it. So it's just, like, you know, you make a joke about, well, oh, if somebody gets corona, what I'm going to do and all this stuff. And, you know, people are losing family members to this. People are in so much pain. And I don't know how comfortable I would feel if, you know, I was being so severely affected by this and then turn, you know, come to see, like, you can't even get on the internet and do anything without seeing a few jokes or whatnot. And it's just like, that's not something you would take light of. So I just, 
you know, I try to be mindful about what I say when I post and, you know, I will keep things like public health related or policy related, but as far as jokes, I think we have to approach this with a degree of empathy because this is ruining lives and I don't think we should forget that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would say that the memes and stuff aren't directly um, corona, like based off if you get corona. I think it's just more how corona has impacted society now. So it's not like, oh my God, I'm corona, I'm dead. Like those kind of memes. It's just like, oh, I can't go out and do anything. Like, but yeah, like I think in the beginning when things hadn't really gotten, you know, as serious in the US, I did see some like memes and like TikToks and stuff that people were kind of being antagonistic against people who had coronavirus or about getting the coronavirus or against China or stuff like that stuff was going too far in my opinion. But I think it's kind of like going towards what you said, Pega, of having just kind of something that to make you laugh that's not really coronavirus related. Like, I think that's like definitely needed to bring some sort of like, le not levity to the situation, but you know, just take someone's mind off of it for like five minutes, like a good thing to have, but also just like walking that line. It, it is a fine line between what's funny and what's offensive. So um, I think people have to be mindful. Another thing I would say that the Gen Z and millennials were doing and making light of that was a serious issue were the flights. When at the beginning, <clears throat> flight prices from Pittsburgh to Miami were $17. Like you don't even know how close I was, but it's just so unsafe. And I mean, the times are definitely, it's definitely um, changed now. I would say that was more mid-March, um, but I know some people that went to the beach and it didn't impact like any choices they made. They were like, oh, I'm gonna take advantage of these cheap flights, which I mean, yeah, I, I get why you're doing it, but also like you need to think about your families. Like if you're going home um, after this or just like people you're gonna be surrounded with, like it's so different to go to your friend's house right now than to like get on a plane, go to Miami, go to the beach, go do this, this, and this. Like, I mean, they probably went out to bars and stuff. And it's just like so unsafe. But I would say now everything's closed, so you can't even do anything. <laughs> yeah, I think at first it was like the younger generations were wanting to like continue with their spring breaks, especially and stuff like that. Um, and they were doing that more because at the time it was um, not like advertised, but like put out that younger generations or you know younger people weren't really affected by the coronavirus they might get infected and maybe be sick for a day or two but nothing really crazy but now we're seeing a lot of people are still being affected even if they're younger um even down to like newborns so um so yeah i think like now it's kind of like shifted away from that because one you can't eat there are all these you know sort of travel bans and you can't easily take a flight but also now that like younger people are still being affected i think people are starting to take it more seriously You're always talking about leaving Milk cotton, black and white face Smile vacant for the picture Parents waiting in the driveway Oh my darling, Arizona Okay, so now we're gonna talk about how everyone is being economically affected, um, especially towards the more, um, the higher side of the millennial age range and then all the way up. So, um, so while Gen Z and millennials are kind of both finding humor, like we said in this situation before, not necessarily 
meaning ignorance, but maybe just expressing themselves, giving themselves some sort of um, outlet. Um, older millennials and those and boomers are being directly faced with the issues of unemployment and providing for their families. So I looked up the un unemployment levels last week um, and I found it was like six and a half million people had applied for unemployment benefits. But um, as of this week, it is now 22 million um, have applied for unemployment Ooh. benefits, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts to think about. Um, and I mean, I, I know some people who have been laid off and know some people who still have their jobs and are doing fine. Um, but yeah, and in the New York Times, um, I was reading an article and they said that the impact was initially with tourism, hospitality industry, so like people who work at restaurants and hotels. But now, um, according to New York Times, as well as ZipRecruiter, there's a steep drop in even jobs that are usually pretty insulated from recessions, so like education and healthcare. But then I feel like there's like this, this even more, this bigger problem where we're not talking about how the people who still do have their jobs, I mean, there's people who still do have their jobs and are making great money, but there's people who weren't earning that much, maybe on minimum wage and are now still working and putting themselves at risk and not even getting that much money. So I think the economic effects of it are terrible considering that some people like are, yeah, some people can work from home and some people have lost their jobs but some people weren't even getting that much money to start with and now are now are risking their lives just so they can work because they don't have the work from home capabilities. And it, it, it just gets really bad as far as like when you start to look at like the socioeconomic effects in America and all, of the, all of that jazz. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point to make because um, now they're having both like kind of the economic and the health issues combined together and they can't like work from home and you know, at least like protect their health. And kind of going back to what um, Janet, you explained last episode that people from social distancing can be suffering mentally and emotionally um, that can kind of have a kind of start to play with um, the changes in employment and money influx. So New York Times gave an example where like if someone's unemployed now, um, they kind of have to choose if they were to be going to therapy or something like that before all this happened. Now they kind of have to choose, am I going to buy groceries today or am I going to, you know, pay for my therapy? Um, so like all these things that are necessary for a person's well-being, like food, shelter, healthcare, they're having to be weighed against each other and maybe in a way prioritized um, unfairly um, because they kind of just have to unfortunately deal with what's going on right now and you know, pick and choose. But and I guess a, a point I wanted to make too, like for those who are more privileged, this prioritizing is much easier because, you know, they might have more money saved up and they can, um, you know, be unemployed for a month or two or something. So those who are relying on day-to-day -day paychecks um, and waiting for those stimulus checks that, you know, aren't even that much and some people aren't even eligible for them who actually do need them. So, I think right now we really have to help each other. Um, even, I think usually people, I don't know, I feel like people don't think about donating or helping each other actively. They say it's a nice thing, but they don't actually do it. But like, if if any time were to call for it, it's really right now. Um, so people need to help each other because you know you can't always rely on the government, government to necessarily do that and do it, especially in a timely manner. So if you see someone and I'm, 
you know, posing this to everyone in the world and to myself and to everyone in my family. You know, if you see someone in need, be that person who donates and reaches out and provides meals. Like I saw a few, like two weeks ago now, um, like a video online, someone bagging meals and handing um, hand sanitizer out to homeless people. Um, so you can't always assume that someone else is helping someone else out. You have to kind of be that one to actively make that change. So with all of this uncertainty, cultural groups are also specifically being directed, um, directly impacted by the virus. So, you know, young to old populations. And what I really wanted to talk about um, was uh, the young to old Asian population, how they're being negatively, negatively affected and discriminated against. Um, so I'm Chinese American, so I kind of have <laughs> a vetted interest in this. Um, so like, I'm pretty concerned about how this is gonna affect um, how the U.S. and, you know, maybe the world views China and the Chinese in general and just, you know, the Asian population. Um, so the president, which, you know, albeit many people dislike or some people like, and, you know, we're not really going to talk too much about politics here, but um, he's still a very big influencer. And so by he continually calls it the Chinese virus. And so that, in my opinion, is pushing people to continually associate all Chinese people, you know, all Asian people with having the virus and this negativity. Um, so generalizations of that kind, that's what's gonna lead to prejudice and discrimination. So one example I wanted to give and see your guys' opinion on was Eugene Liang. He's a Korean American influencer on YouTube and he's in um, the widely known group Try Guys um, that came out of Buzzfeed. And so he tweeted about an encounter when this was not even, when coronavirus wasn't even kind of in its peak yet. Um, but he tweeted about an encounter with these attitudes. So a woman in front of him at a coffee shop had demanded that her coffee be remade because her barista was Asian. And so when he went to, you know, tell her how irrational this was and how, um, yeah, just, you know, how uncalled for it was. She kind of sneered at him and asked if he was Chinese. Um, and he he's not, obviously, but he's he, she's kind of then turned it on him just because he spoke up. So it's not just Chinese. It's like, you know, Asians as a whole being seen as like disgusting or carrying disease. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think? It's also just the ignorance of those people that cannot even, like, even if it is, I don't know. I'm just like, I get so annoyed when people can't even distinguish what kind of ethnicity you are. Like Chinese and Korean and Japanese people, they don't look alike. Like it's just, you don't know anything about anyone's cultures except your own. So then you go and you blame everyone else for something that happened. Um, and it doesn't help that the president is calling it a Chinese virus. Like he just is leading the troops and those troops believe anything he say. So it's just, a recipe for disaster. And not even just, you know, verbal abuse. There's a lot of physical abuse happening towards that population from young to old. Um, like I saw a video of an old Asian man just, you know, walking down the street and people kind of harassing him about it, about the coronavirus. Do you have the coronavirus? Like stuff like that, which is crazy. Um, and the San Francisco State University's Asian American Studies Department, um, they had a study uh, recently that showed in a four week period 
there was a 50% increase in coronavirus discrimination news from um, uh, to 140 stories by week four. Um, and these are just the stories in the news or the stories being reported. There's so many that people are just kind of just taking the brunt of it and not saying anything. So yeah, so I think it, it, it's crazy because everyone's everyone's very focused on the, the health aspects right now of treating those with the disease and you know managing hospital overflow, lack of resources and flattening the curve, which is very valid to do. And of course, that's kind of what we have to do to preserve population and um, save as many people as we can but I don't think in my opinion I don't think anyone's really considered what's going to happen afterwards in a cultural perspective um, and like specifically to the Asian population and I don't think it'll be addressed until way after the pandemic ends yeah because there's I don't know personally I don't know if there's anything I can really do to like stop this from happening because you know, the person at the top is the one kind of like harping these things. So people just follow along, like you said. Before. You just need people to stop focusing on where it started and just like focus on it now because it's everywhere now. Like it doesn't matter where it started. Everyone has it now. So we just need to focus on fixing it and then finding a cure for it. Um, and I think this just, this happens because everyone wants to find you know, a cause and effect. We like as people, as humans, to have a cause and effect. So someone's going to want to establish some sort of blame to someone. Um, oh, for sure. But but yeah, it's it's too it's very like muddy right now as to where it originated. So like you said, it doesn't really matter now. We kind of have the cards that we've been dealt, and we just have to deal with it. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, we can investigate where it actually came from and whatnot. But do, having all of this, you know negative connotations towards Asian Americans. It's not productive. It's not. So I think as far as racism goes, there's definitely been a lot of problems with like anti-Asian sentiment in America. But it's it's really interesting because um, I know like, like Black Americans are getting it at a higher rate. I mean, that's related to a lot of socioeconomic status type of issues. But there, and actually, like in Guangzhou, China, there was um, a, a McDonald's with a sign that said, like, Black people are no longer allowed to enter. And uh, looking at BBC and other uh, news sources, it just says that there were just rumors that Africans had um, had it. And, and that, was, that was the thing. I mean, it... To me, it's just completely uncalled for because also, I mean, if Africans are getting kicked out, you know, African uh, Africa as a continent has um, the, like the least amount of cases. Like, yeah, there are some cases, but relative to South America, North America, Asia, like there's so many less cases. So why, why them, you know? And I just, I definitely just felt like that was important to mention because there's, there's really just been a lot of negativity really surrounding this. And I think we should think about what we're saying and what we're, what we're doing as countries. And is this right? You know, like, is this right? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then pointing back to what Pega said, like, it's just really bringing, unfortunately, the worst out of people. Um, you know, people are going stir crazy. Their minds are just being let free. So they just start saying whatever they want and kind of tying it all together. I think, um, like we said in the beginning, you need to have empathy for the people 
you could be, you know, having your own fun over here, but someone else is really suffering. So when you're making these TikToks or jokes or stuff, you really need to put it in perspective um, and, you know, put it in perspective of people who have um, filed for unemployment, not getting stimulus checks, don't have the means to, don't qualify, but actually do need it. Um, and then just with all the anti-Asian sentiment that we've seen um, and also other uh, uh, racist acts seen across the globe, um, I think we just, in this time, it's it's a lot of uncertainty and I feel like it doesn't hurt to just be nice and just be kind to people and, you know, think outside of your own little bubble and feel what other people are going through. I think kind of closing question is just how do we balance all these changes in our lives and our society? I think just we, while we want to think about the health of our, like our own health and our family's health, we need to put into perspective of others. People are really going to remember how everyone is acting during this really scary and uncharted time. Um, I think stressful, stressful situations are bringing to light people's personalities, possibly the worst in people, possibly the best in people and their values. So while this is a lot to think at once, I think all will kind of culminate together and we'll see how this all ends. So thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you got some nuggets of info, something to um, think about, um, and we hope you provide some interesting perspectives um, to consider when moving forward in this pandemic. Um, and next episode, we'll dive into specifically the lives and actions of those at higher um, socioeconomic levels and how they're being treated perhaps preferentially in our healthcare system in the U.S. and, you know, possibly worldwide. So, you know, be kind to one another and see you next time. I don't want to wait all night I don't want to waste no time Slow down, who knows where we're going